In the late 1970s, um, Operation Mobilization, uh, which is a, a kind of non-denominational Christian mission organization, bought a ship and they set it up for a ministry to go uh, traveling around the world to bring knowledge to people, to bring hope to people, to bring help to people through their various programs and ministries uh, and their amazing Christian bookshop that they had on board as well. It stopped at over uh, 600 ports. It visited over 100 countries. In fact, the other day, um, I discovered um, that uh, one of our RPA students, our first years, grew up as a child on this boat, as her parents served on it. And uh, maybe some of you have been involved in, in some of these ministry ships around the world at various times as well. And uh, the ship welcomed over 22 million people on board, not all at the same time, I have to say, uh, although there's a good few there. Um, and it sailed equivalent of about 16 times around the world when you work out the miles that it covered. Um, it served people's physical needs and queues of people would come to it. It served people's spiritual needs, physical needs, uh, emotional needs and uh, uh, relational needs as well, even stuff on parenting and education. And uh, the word doulos, which is, is what it's named, is the New Testament Greek word uh, for servant or for slave. Um, and in many ways, the, the ship typifies what the church is meant to be and what we're meant to be um, in our lives um, and what a ship um, it proved uh, to be over the years. And uh, just even uh, with Alana, um, she came to help on the, the first Alpha just this term. Um, just last minute, came to help, serve some food and all the rest of it, smiling face. And I realized at that point is you can take Alana off the doulos, but you can't take the doulos out of Alana as she just uh, faithfully and um, helpfully served uh, on that evening, as, as many others have as well. But to be a servant, to be a doulos, is fundamental to our identity and our call as Christians. And so Mark's gospel is the gospel that presents us with the servant king. And right in the middle of it, in this chapter 10 and verse 45, we read Jesus' words about himself where he says, For even the Son of Man did not come to, serve, to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then he says to his disciples in the, in the upper room at the Last Supper, he says that no servant is greater than his master and therefore go uh, and do likewise. And so for the first followers of Jesus, this was right at the very heart of who they were um, as people, servants of Jesus Christ, lives centered on serving him. And so they had the, the, the mentality of not what can Jesus do for me, but they'd move to that point of what can I do for Jesus and uh, turn that around. And I was looking at some of the opening words of many of the epistles uh, just this week in preparation for this. And uh, I was looking at it in Greek because of the doulos thing. And uh, so many of them start with it. You can do this very easily. Just Google your verse and put interlinear in there and you get the Greek alongside the English. And uh, so Romans 1 starts with these three words. Paulos, doulos, Christu. Okay, Paul, a servant of Christ. Uh, again, in, uh, in uh, Titus, he writes this, Paulos, doulos, theo, Paul, a servant uh, of God. Uh, in James, he says something very similar, James of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, doulos, his servant. Um, in uh, Peter, writes the same, Simeon, Petros, doulos, Simon Peter, a servant. Um, and likewise with Jude, Jude of Jesus Christ, a servant, doulos, uh, again. It is absolutely central to who they are. It's like it's their business card um, and it's the title of what they want to be known as, servants uh, of Jesus. And so their teaching then continues that. That's John um, as well in, in Revelation. 
But their teaching continues that. You get this great few verses at the beginning of Romans 12 uh, that talks about um, our, uh, our worship and it says, our offering our bodies as living sacrifices, um, your spiritual act of worship. Serving is worship. Uh, 1 Peter 4, as Judy read to us, each one of us should use whatever gift they've received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And someone once said that if our worship doesn't lead to service, then we haven't finished worshiping. Um, It is that important uh, in our lives. And so the New Testament word doulos is quite an important word to understand um, because it means uh, a slave or a bond servant. And that can be quite a controversial word um, as we think about it. Um, But somebody who is reporting for duty because we tend to think of a slave as someone who uh, has no choice in life, who is enforced into slavery, perhaps is mistreated, abused, um, you know, trafficked, trapped, no reward. Uh, We celebrate uh, the abolition of slavery, you know, and we petition against anything that we see that has got a smack of modern day slavery uh, about it, and rightly so, because that sort of thing is a scourge of humanity. And yet, this word is here, this word is there, that, that there were slaves and bond servants. And we read in the, even in the Old Testament that there were those who were treated differently than we even think about today. So in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 15 and verse 12, we read of uh, how people had servants, or people who had servants were to treat them. Uh, if a fellow Hebrew, a man or a woman, sells himself to you and serves you six years, in the seventh year, you must let them go free and don't send them away empty-handed, but supply them liberally and bless them. Verse 16, but if your servant says to you, I don't want to leave you because he loves you and your family and is well off with you, then take an all, push it through that earlobe and they will become your servant for life. And so even there, It isn't um, forced labor. It's not slavery quite as we know it, but there is a commitment there um, to serve out of choice um, in their lives. And the Old Testament word is this word, ebed. In fact, there are three words I want to look at uh, in the Hebrew um, that help us just get different flavors of what serving uh, might actually look like. Helpful insights. And so this word meant to make yourself at a complete disposal of someone. you know, I will do whatever you ask. And we see that in Jesus' life. Here in Mark chapter 10, uh, he came to serve and to give his life. To give his life. He submits to his Father's will. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he puts himself, literally, his life is disposed of. Okay? He makes himself completely at the disposal of his Father's will. Um, it's something that he models in his life. And then he teaches his disciples, um, as we read, that whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Highly challenging words at the complete disposal of another. And in the disciples' lives, we read of that reality. We see the experience of that in Paul when he writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4 6, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. He's put himself at the complete disposal of God in his service for him, which is ultimately going to cost him uh, his life. And the second words that we get um, in, uh, on, on this is this word abad. And uh, this has the flavor of giving up personal rights uh, in order to serve. So for example, if the, the people went out to serve in the field, they gave up certain rights. If they were to serve in the, the, the tent of meeting, which was the, the kind of the portable worship space 
um, the, the priests would go into. They would give up their rights to an inheritance so that the Levite priests, for example, had no inheritance. They didn't get any lands like all the other tribes, but the Levites gave up that right so that they could serve in the, in the, the, the worship space. And so they gave that up. And um, we learned something from that, that servanthood involves sacrificing our rights and staying surrendered to the cause. And again, we see Jesus, he models this because he gives up his rights of heaven to come down and to be a man. Okay, he gives up his glory, Philippians 2. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held onto, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And I was just reading someone who was writing about this and just saying that he gave up the right to be like God because he became a man. He gave up the right to act like God here, there, and everywhere. He gave up the, the right to look like God. He gave up the right to be treated like God. And he gave up those rights, why? To give you and I the right to become children of God. So he gave them up because of what it purchased for us, relationship with God. And so we then see his disciples living that out. We see Stephen in the book of Acts giving up his, his life. We see Paul uh, writing in 1 Corinthians 9 about the rights that he actually rightly has as an apostle. And he says, you know, I have the right to food and drink, a basic hum, human right. And yet for days he's got no food and drink. He's, he has a right to take a spouse like some of the others. He has a right to, to not have to earn. Um, and yet he gives up those rights and does his, his tent making. Um, all legitimate rights. He says, we do not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. And then in verse 19 he says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I become like a Jew to the Jew to win the Jews. I become like a Gentile to win the Gentiles. I, I become like the weak to win the weak. And so serving at times will cost us and give up our personal rights. That's the second one of those. So complete disposal of another, giving up personal rights at times. And then this third word that we come across is sharath, which means to kind of to do anything really. Um, it's a flavor of being willing to do even the simple little things. Uh, sometimes we might view them as more menial things to do, but for the overall good, we'll do them. So in Ezekiel 44 and verse 11, we read about God's servants on gate duty. Okay, very pertinent to us here at, at uh, Queensbridge at the moment, uh, when the gate, I'm um, trying to get people in and out the gates. But having charge of the gates of the temple, people serving as doorkeepers, people looking after the utensils, the bits and pieces, and the attitude of this is, whatever it takes, you know, I'll find a way to do something to make the whole thing kind of work. And I have to say that when I get the chance, I actually love to be on gate duty. Okay? I love just to you know, welcome people, smile, make it a little bit easier for people to get into the car park or on the, on the door to welcome people. It's an absolute joy. And it's probably one of the most important jobs that we have because they reckon that people make up their minds about a place in the first five or 10 seconds. Okay, that's the initial impression is what, what people shapes, shapes most of us. And, uh, and therefore that is such an important point to, to welcome people and to make life a little bit easier to do that. You know, giving out outlook, I was thinking, is no small thing. Okay, it feels, might feel like it, but for a newcomer, is a piece of security. Okay, because generally, a newcomer is here way before the average Riversider. 
Okay, and there's nothing, they're like, what do I do? They've got something to hold on to. They've got something to read. It just tells them a little bit about the life of the church. It tells them perhaps a little bit about, you know, kids' children's work at the, the 9.30 service. I so should have brought my kids to that one. Uh, you know, it tells them a little bit about what's going on, things they can connect with, and just gives them something to hold on to. It is not a small thing. You know, putting up the stage in here and, uh, or taking it down for the second service, okay, just a few inches, it enables you to see what's happening up here. To put the lights on, put a little bit warmth on the face so people can see okay these are little things but they make a huge difference um, to everything that we're trying to do some of them take a little bit more energy than switching on a light okay um, but they all make a difference every single bit matters but it's that mentality of whatever it takes to help serve and to help the thing and again Jesus models that and uh, when he washes the disciples feet you know, he says that there is nothing that is too small. There's nothing that is too menial or too humbling um, for myself and for those that will follow me. Um, I remember there was a guy up in Scotland uh, at a church and his nickname was Nay Bother. Nay Bother. And uh, he's, uh, to translate that means no trouble or no bother at all, you know. And uh, it literally, that was his answer to everything. Whenever you asked him to do anything, oh yeah, Nay Bother. Can you give so-and-so a lift? Absolutely, that's Nay Bother. You know, can you help with this? Oh yeah, yeah, of course, nay bother. And uh, it became known as that. That was his, that was his nickname. And, uh, and in the early church, you know, we see people who, who served at the tables to, so that the widows had some food. And, you know, and we, we read about Dorcas, who was, you know, I reckon she, she knitted for Israel. You know, she basically made clothes for the destitute and the poor. Um, and then there are even co-workers of Paul, I was reading this week, who traveled across Europe to give Paul a cloak and a few scrolls. Yeah, that, that's a commitment, isn't it? Just to take him something aware across the whole of Europe. Maybe you like traveling around Europe. Maybe it's, it's you know, I don't know if it's quite the same back then. But Peter writes that. He writes, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling and serve others with the strength that God provides. And then in chapter two, he writes this, this paradox. He says, live as free men and women and in the same verse, live as servants, as slaves. Live as free men and women, live as servants or slaves, doulos of God. Um, but it's probably worth noting there's a difference between civility and servanthood. So civility um, is something that we do because we fear the consequences or we fear other people. I've got to do it or else type of thing. Whereas servanthood comes out of fellowship and friendship with God. It comes out of that place of grace. God has done so much. All I want to do is, is to serve you back. I do this for an audience of one. I do this for you, God. You know, civility can have that attitude of it's, it's not my job, so I'm not doing it. Whereas servanthood has the attitude of whatever it takes, um, count me in. Civility has the mindset or the ministry mindset of me first, or my agenda, if I can do what I want to do, as opposed to father first. You know, it might not be quite what I hoped for, but I'm doing it because I serve my God. And likewise, I think civility can operate out of that spirit of pride. You know, look, look what I did, uh, as opposed to look what God has done, uh, that sense of humility or that sense of unity. Look what we've done um, together. So we live as free people. But to live as free people, we live as servants of God. And in that way, we start to live life well. There are some who will have served for years and years and years in things. And you're never quite sure if it makes any difference at all. Um, and uh, maybe that's what works like for you as well at times. Um, 
But there's a, there's a great story of a, it was a Sunday school teacher who felt like that. You know, to put all her, uh, their life into serving in a Sunday school, teaching the kids, never quite sure if it was going in. Um, and even seeing those kids go off the rails later on and thinking, well, was it really worth it? You know, was it really worth it? And then one day, a soldier turns up at her doorstep, much, much, many years later, and uh, says to her that I was, I was, you know, I was in the war. Uh, my colleague died, but I was there while he was dying. And he said this to me. He said, "I want you to go and tell my Sunday school teacher of way back that what she taught me then is helping me face death now." Okay, every single thing that we do, every single word that we give bears fruit somewhere uh, in people's lives. It can be something we give. It can be a prayer we pray. It can be time that we sacrifice. Or it can be words that we use to encourage. But serving others is at the core of who we are to be. I can remember when I first came to Riverside, um, some, you know, some 30 years ago. And uh, for me, the first few months, I can remember I was coming to Riverside. And I was waiting for somebody to shake my hand. I was waiting for somebody to welcome me. I was waiting for everybody to do for me. And uh, after a few months, I, it sort of dawned on me that actually that's not really what I'm here for. But actually, I had to turn around. And I was here to, to welcome other people. I was here to, to serve one, another person and to smile at another person and introduce other people to other people. And uh, it wasn't just about me anymore. It was about looking outward. It was beyond myself and to serve others. Um, and likewise, when I, when I came on, on staff, I didn't stop thinking like that. I don't, you know, I don't do what I do here because it's my job, primarily. Um, I do it because it's, it's a Sunday and I come to serve uh, in whatever way. In fact, many weeks, you know, I've probably done my hours before I even get here. But that's, that's beside the point. It's, it's about that mentality of coming to seek and to serve and to encourage uh, and make it as welcoming, as accessible, um, and as great an experience for any newcomer and anybody else um, who would come amongst us as possible. And I remember just even a couple of years ago, we were, you know, we were just thinking afresh about you know, what, what are three things that you can do on a Sunday. But I think Ben was doing some worship stuff. And uh, the three things I wrote down was, was this. Was number one was, what wonderful thing about Jesus can I point people to? And the second one was, uh, what can I do to make this room a little bit better? Move a cup switch a light on, um, move a chair, whatever it is, pick up an outlook. Um, and what one thing, you know, who, what can I connect? Can I connect this person to someone else so that there's a greater sense of belonging as a result of that Sunday morning? And, uh, you know, we can think about all sorts of ways in which we can serve uh, like that. But as we come to a close uh, this morning, uh, there was an article about the Doulos ship. Um, it's online called 40 Jobs That Keep the Ship Going. And uh, whether it's school teacher or plumber or technician or hairdresser or baker or whatever, there's all sorts of people make these things happen. But every single one of them is important to the overall mission. And uh, the good ship Dulos could equally be the good ship Riverside um, as we kind of cruise around or whatever we do. And uh, we could also have 40 jobs that keep the ship going. And over the coming weeks, maybe there's, there's one that you could step into. You know, you could start to, to get involved with um, and, uh, and start praying about that. But this morning is primarily about our hearts um, and about having that servant-hearted nature in our workplace, uh, in our community, as we've heard from Paula this morning, uh, in our families, you know, how can we serve? In our church, uh, here on a Sunday. 
And uh, as a response this morning, I, I want to do something a little bit different, but I want to encourage us in a minute to, to, to stand, invite you to stand, and to do kind of what I did in my head, which was to turn around. Okay, so we'll stand and we'll turn around. And the idea is that we are looking outwards, that we are um, looking at the world outside. We're looking at the front doors, if you like, and the world beyond. And how can I this week serve that world? And how can I serve anybody that walks through uh, these doors uh, in some way that makes a difference in their lives um, and look out for people? So can I invite you to stand? And if you're able to do so. Um, if this is your first time, you'll feel it's like, what, you're signing me up already. It's, but it's, it's the heart, isn't it? And then just turn around, um, if you will. Turn around and, and look as though we're looking to the, the front doors uh, of this place and out onto the Queensbridge Road and beyond uh, into our community. And just like that doulos ship, just imagine for a moment, you know, we're on the ship, we're on the doulos ship, and we're coming into port in a country that doesn't yet know God. But there are hundreds of people on the dockside waiting to see what this ship is all about. And as it docks and as its doors open, a few people from out there just begin to venture in to see what it's all about. And some on the ship go out to invite people in, uh, some welcome, some strike up a conversation uh, with those that come in. But all are serving to make this a fantastic day that they will never forget.